0: visit ElkinsConsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. I'm so pleased today to be hosting Hillary Johns, an attorney out of uh, Beverly Hills, California, although she has offices in the Bay Area and also opening one in Manhattan here pretty soon. But we were introduced by a Jeff Furman, who I interviewed on my podcast a few weeks ago and provided some fabulous stories. And right afterward, he was so enamored with the the structure of the podcast, the idea behind the podcast, that he started making all of these wonderful introductions, and Hillary was one of those wonderful introductions. So, Hillary, thank you so much for joining me. On your stories, don't define you how you tell them. Will. Well,
1: thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You know, Jeff is a good friend and a great guy. He is a great
0: guy. I love that guy.
1: As is his dog, Mavis.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. He has shared pictures with me of Mavis. And I think she's about the only thing that makes him smile out loud.
1: Yes. She's really gone and walks together with him. She's
0: great. Oh, she's adorable. So um, I always start these recordings by asking my guests to share something about themselves that most people wouldn't know about them. Something you wouldn't see in your bio or your LinkedIn profile and I do this because I love for our listeners to get to know the the guests uh, before we start diving deeply into their stories, just to know something about them that that most people otherwise wouldn't know. So what do you think? Do you have something to share? I do. I'm I was thinking about
1: that. I'm happy. I, I like, I'm kind of a nature girl at heart. So I'm happiest when I'm in the middle of the woods or by a river or something like that. Just, you know, places most people would probably feel uncomfortable going. I mean, it's dangerous, but... I'm I'm very happy being out foraging for myself, things like that. And I'd be very I'd be one of those people you'd see living off the grid, probably. Wouldn't bother me at all.
0: Wow. Um, that does surprise me given your work and all of the <laughs> locations of your law offices. And and I, I can really relate to that because I love cities. I, I love to I loved living in Washington, DC. I loved staying for weeks at a time in Paris. Um but my happy place is definitely in nature, particularly and on the mountains and on rivers and creeks and exploring. So, tell me, you said foraging. Oh, <laughs> describe foraging. that for me. Well, I just meant if I had to live out, I, you know, I
1: take survivalist classes. I don't mean like militia type things, but you know. Oh no! No no. <laughs> You're out in the of the woods, and you had to fend for yourself. You know, could you do basket weaving? Could you do, you know, would you know which plants to you Would you be able to fish for yourself? So, you know, that that wouldn't bother me to set up camp in the middle of something. You just I'd, be, I'd probably kind of like it. I wouldn't mind like it at all. But. Not that I'm not very fond of
0: LA or Beverly Hills. And Manhattan. Well, you'd have to have some fondness for them, right? Exactly. Exactly.
1: But it's, yeah, I, I like stuff like that. I do.
0: That's awesome. So tell me about um, how you discovered that. Because you grew up in Southern California and that's not well known for the camping and outdoorsy activities.
1: Well, they did. But my one, uh, my parents used to take me up in the mountains. You know, they have Julian have yeah, the you know the mountains through southern california there are mountain ranges and places you can go it's just not as well known because most people like think of beaches and then uh my mother's from the my mother's from Iowa so you know was always out and, and now lives in the big west in the northwest so there's always trees and mountains things like that around where you can go and so uh we had I didn't really like the family camping trips but I like the uh you're going out and learning to fish. And my grandfather used to fly me into Canada for fishing with him. You know,
0: you'd be out in the world. And it was fun. I liked it. Ah, oh, That's great. So um, when you think about, I, I'm trying to put this whole idea together of being outdoorsy, of finding your happy place in the woods and the, the somewhat seemingly contradictory lifestyle that you have um, well, being an attorney in a city.
1: Being a tr- Well, I mean, I, I think there. I mean, I like the, those are my breaks when I go to places like that. I do a lot of work with animals and I do a lot of public, I do a lot of pro bono work, but I, I think. I consider our country as sort of a whole anyways. So I kind of look at things as terrain as a whole, and particularly when you're a bi-coastal lawyer where you're working, I, I kind of look at things maybe a little differently. I don't just look at it as, okay, I have to do this one case. I'm kind of looking like, well, I'm contributing to this area. You know, I mean, anytime you have a, a civilized society, laws are what make things work. I mean, the they're, they're reason we're all not I'm killing each other, you know, unfortunately it does happen. So I, I kind of think of it as a whole, like, I think I always consider it like an honor and privilege to be a lawyer and you know I'm also licensed in Montana. We do work there and it's, uh, you know, I, I sort of consider it just different areas, different parts of the same whole when I look at it like that. But I, I think a lot of people have things when they work a lot, particularly in cities where there's hustle and bustle. I mean, certainly LA and New York are the main ones you would think of in the US. I think you know i think everybody needs places where they you know some people if it's just going to watch their movie or some people like to go to the beach or i think everybody has places they like to go and are very you know very happy looking at it and i've actually met a lot of professionals who would say you know i would you know they're like oh if i wasn't doing you know i really love doing this and it has nothing to do it's so seemingly so unrelated to what they're doing you know it's like you, you meet a fortune 500 executive and he likes woodshop, you know, and he likes to do this. Or maybe he I have a good friend of mine who's a really highly regarded media attorney and he likes to garden. Mm-hmm. He likes to tend to the, he really, really enjoys just doing, so you, sometimes you, or you find people like they, they like to draw or they, you know, or they have something like that, or they're drawing very idyllic scenes when they're, when they're out you know, taking apart companies or whatever they're doing. So I think you see a lot of people with really, Oh, I wouldn't have thought you did I have a good friend of mine actually who's a retired criminal courts attorney and she likes bead making and she fosters, uh, it, I mean, and she would put people, you know, literally in jail for life. You know, and she does like speed making, you know, making jewelry out of beads and she likes, uh, she fosters uh, older cats, older animals, and had health issues. So it's, I think sometimes you see a lot of people like that. You're like, that's a, I, I guess I've seen that not just with me, but like, common, like, oh, wow, I wouldn't have thought such and such like to do that, you know? So I, right. I don't think it's as unusual. I mean, I don't think people tell you, I don't think people ask the question that you're asking. Very
0: often. Yeah, I think a lot of people also, they don't know this about themselves necessarily. They don't know they need those outlets and they don't necessarily explore them until they have to explore them because they are so burned out or they're having mental health or physical health issues. And then suddenly they realize they have to have something outside of their normal routine, outside of their, what they consider to be their normal interests in order to take that break. So um, I actually, I, when I'm working with coaching clients, executives like you, one of the first things I ask is, what are you doing creatively? What, what are you doing that you get to step out and do something that feels creative, that feels outside of your normal routine? Let's talk about that because for the same exact reason, you need something that separates you from what you, how you see yourself so that you can continue to grow. That's my feeling about it. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. And I, I don't think it's just for health reasons. Sometimes people just go and try something or they go to a class or something that they find they really enjoy. But that, that's kind of, I think in some ways it's kind of the classic, you know, you find this person who's like, Oh wow, you're really into that now. You find out this person's like really loves to be a musician at night, you know, or you know something like that, or you know. But I agree. Some people have. It's. it's I think some people find that sooner than others. I think you know, they sort of. I've always kind of been around, so I've always kind of liked that stuff. And you know, I'm sure that you know tradition is like oh that's weird that's kind of loud. now I think it's more accepted that people like to do that kind of stuff and they're like oh such and such is not doing this or whatever I they're it. doing. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's important to have. Outlets that aren't just related to work, because that that that's going to lead to you know often, unfortunately, disastrous or catastrophic results, or you know you see people who lives are short and things like that. I think I think it's a must. You have to really
0: do. So speaking of um, that break and that disastrous transformation or transition, or what could be if you don't make that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that you shifted gears pretty dramatically 20 years ago when you were a professional athlete and working toward partnership at a law firm. So now like my brain is just running in this direction, understanding that you made that decision um, to shift gears before it got to a point where it was a disaster. So what was, what was that? You were a professional athlete. What were you doing? I was a soccer player for a while, and then I
1: just uh, kept going and doing that. And a friend of mine, who retired from the national team, invited me to come play with them. Said I would, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was it wasn't what I was thinking of. Doing. I'm, I'm I'm very grateful that I know about fitness and I you know how to do that. and am able to stay fit. I think uh, I wouldn't want to do it now. You know, I, it was not something that I ever saw myself doing you know in my 40s and things like that and i always wanted to be a traveler so kind of it was hard when you were doing both for a while and then i played again and they're like hey come join this i'm like uh ah, yeah i got to." i have something else I, I need to do at the time i was in my late 30s at that point i'm like yeah I, i'm a lawyer i got stuff to do it's not that i did think it's great and i like seeing men and women you know involved in that sport um i think I, you know the person I worked with was great he was super he's still a good friend of mine today he's like a father to me I, but I think I just it, I was not happy and I knew I was not happy and I'm kind of one of those people you know obviously there are things as a lawyer the business person you're like yeah I don't like this but I love what I do and I, and I don't I was not happy and the track I was on I could just tell was not good and I I don't like being not liking stuff. you know, I just don't, I don't think anybody does, but I won't put up with it for long. So I, I made a very drastic change. I left the country. I learned how to speak other languages. I was doing a lot of international work, which we are now in New York. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, I mean, I spoke languages and things like that, but I just like, well, these are things, these would all work. These are related. Okay. It'll work together. And then I got back to the U S and took it not a flexible, but just, you know, most law, a lot of law is very traditional. And, you know, so you sort of had to just look for ways that worked. And I just had to make decisions along the way that I was going to keep very active, even though most people don't. And I was going to uh, working remotely, I started doing that a while ago, and I found I was much more productive, i was much happier. And I wasn't look. you know, it was, yeah, you know, I was going, okay, it's it six o'clock yet, yeah, can I go home? I wasn't thinking about that. So I think I do a better okay. service for myself and for the clients, because the clients are like, "Oh, you're the kind of lawyer I want. You're available late at night, or early in the morning." I'm like, "Yeah," because I take naps and I'm going to work out so I can take <laughs> breaks, and and I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have, I have hundreds of suits because I'm a trial lawyer, but I don't have to wear a suit every day. I'm not, you know, I'm not going. Oh God, here's the morning. I'm not doing the morning commute anymore, and I I like that. But and, you know, it's, it was, some of these things were not really commonly accepted yet, so. I liked doing that, but I was, I was very glad that I made the break. I mean, I, 20 years from now, I'm kind of, you know, work, doing work with these firms that I wanted to do it, but I also, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult to make your own path if there aren't any. So you kind of have to go, okay. Particularly for women, you know, you know the Me Too movement has not just helped people in Hollywood. It helps helped women in other areas of work because there are no legal consequences, for conduct that was, that, that should be illegal, but wasn't. Uh, and I, I was thinking about, you know, 20 years ago, there were still these issues that you had to deal with. I mean, you could do it, but if there was, you, know, you had to probably take more crap than I was able to do. Uh, you know, uh, men and women and people of color and people of different uh, gender identities, sexual orientation, a, a lot of people had, didn't have really any other options. So they're, they're very traditional. Again, a lot of my friends are Caucasian men, but there was a very clear path and it was not here. It was literally, you'd be told, it's not for everyone. And the unfortunate part is I don't think a lot, of, a lot of people didn't stick with it for very good reasons. They didn't want to go through this. And there was a lot of talent, I think, that was lost. Uh, just throughout every industry because of some of the things that went on. And I think a lot, whether they want to, I think a lot of people really lost. I think they are now because there's more diversity and inclusion. There are so many smart, vibrant, talented, hardworking people who really make real contributions. And I think our society, I mean, again, I think the U.S. is better than anybody in the world about doing this as, on, as a whole. Uh, but there are just a lot of people who are not able to get involved even though they wanted to. I mean, you don't see too many boutique law firms on both bicostal on both points of the coast that are headed by a woman. You just don't. And, it's, um, and, you know, there's a lot of changes that have come with it, and I've kind of always been of that temperament anyways. But particularly with sports and things like that. You sort of had to push and you had to sort of say, but it's I there were choices I remember I made along the way. And one of them was working remotely. Uh, one of them was saying, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And you know, I do remember people would be very surprised when they'd be like, what do you mean you're not going to do this? Why are you there used to be that sort of thing, well you just do what you're told. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I don't wanna you know and, and investing in my health early. I just have a bandage on my cheek right now from the mole I got removed, but yeah, that's about the worst of it. And not a, not a health. Not really even a health issue. But, um, you know, I mean, there that people would be very surprised. I'm like, wait, you can't tell
0: people that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to. I mean, you know, I you have to be good at your job. <laughs> right, but, right. You know, it, well, it was I've, very surprising. Go ahead. Right. Well, it's it, all of this is making me curious about um, when you left your the the partnership or the the firm twenty years ago. Went to Europe, did some traveling, came back. Was that when you came back? Did you start your own firm at that point, or was it?
1: No, later? I mean it's. I actually it was 22 years ago, but it's. I'm, I started came back 20 years ago. Uh, no, because I was a new lawyer. I'd only been out like five years, and all I really knew was professional soccer and you know what any five year attorney, knows, four or five year attorney knows. So what did so, you do then? I had to take a look. I had to honestly assess. I mean for those of you lawyers and it's not that people won't be good, it takes years and years and years and years even to get good in one area. And you kind of, so I had to look at the areas I wanted to do and what kind of work I wanted to do um, and you know how long it would take to learn it and be good at it. And there's uh, you know, a lot of lawyers will see they're like, Oh, I only do this, you know, because it does take a lot of time to learn. And, and law is one of those things that you, you can't just read about it and do it. You get good by doing it, you know, so it's the uh, continual and, you know, but people want to retain your services and pay, to do
0: that <laughs> but so what was um, what was a time when you did come back? You made the decisions to to be more intentional about what you were going to do. When was a time where you um, you walked away realizing that you did the right thing, leaving the other job, going to Europe, and then. Oh, I knew when I left. I, did. I knew when I left.
1: I didn't want to go back I, at all. I mean, I didn't. Right. Not, not that I didn't. keep in touch with my old boss because he's a great guy. No, I knew right away. Um, but I would say, uh, it's to finish answering your question, I mean, you just had to sort of commit and say these are the areas I want to work on. A couple of others we added, like entertainment law, which. But um, you kind of just had to say, okay, for the next fifteen to twenty years, this is what you're doing, learning how to do this. And it's, wow. You know, like in medicine and things like that. I'm, Doctors, they do, when they come out of medical school, I'm sure they know some things. But when they go into residency, they learn. You know, it's it, it, being a good lawyer is kind of a lifelong commitment. You know, if you really, if you want to show up and want a brief, then that's one thing. But if you want to know what really be good at something and know what you're doing and be actually able to help people and you know, modify, you kind of have to know several areas. Um, I wouldn't say until probably the last four or five years. I mean, it, it just kind of started being more, a, you know, able to do that, and then. Uh, you know, I could always handle those things, but just feeling comfortable with that. And you, of course, you need people to help you. You know, no one does it alone. You, know, you have—I've had very—I've been very fortunate that I've had people who have you know, been willing to offer their insights and advice, and you know, so I could learn, or teach me how to do this, or at least point me in the right direction so I could learn. You know, and it's—I um, I would say in the last probably last few years, you kind of like okay, good. I'm, I'm yeah, you know, it was, Thinking about that the other day, because a friend of mine is like, "Don't you remember?" He's like, "I remember when I met you. It was a little over twenty years ago or something." I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm glad I did all these things. I really am. I mean, I didn't particularly like it sometimes. I'm sure, and I'm sure there were other things that would have been easier. But for my 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 personal, you know, everybody has different things that they want from life and what they want to contribute. But I I'm very glad that I did. Uh, but it's not until recently where I've seen more growth. Uh, I would say, but I wasn't always pushing for growth. Sometimes I was just trying to learn it do my job and, you know, things like that. So it wasn't like it, more. it's more these days that I think about that because that's the situation I'm in. But I don't, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I need to do this work and you know, I have it at the time. I have an employer and you know, like, this is my responsibility to them and you know this is what I'm here to do and okay and you know, things like that. But some, once in a while, you also, I would reassess, you know, what should I be doing to move in the direction I wanted to. But I remember when I made the change, I'm like, I don't know why I ever thought I'd be able to do this. You know, I had feelings like that for for a period of time, but I just, I'm like, okay, I got to believe and go forward.
0: Isn't that funny? I I think about that a lot with um, one particular past job where I was a compliance officer for a federal grant, and I don't even like rules. And I look back at that time, like, what possessed me to even apply for that job, (laughs) much less do it, you know, take it and what possessed them to hire me for it. But, um, I love that idea of looking back and realizing that it served a purpose. There was a reason you did it. And for one thing, you had to explore it to find out if you could do it. Um, and, and I think too many people make the decision not to do things that they're, they're not sure of just simply because they're not sure of it. They don't realize that there's potential growth, even when it ends up being know, something that you've turned away from later on. So I, I, I hear you.
1: <laughs> but I bet when you were a compliance officer, you learned skill sets.
0: I bet I bet there was something you learned from
1: it that was real, of real value. So sometimes it's not, this isn't where I'm going to wind up. And maybe I made some nice people. Maybe I make some friends. Maybe I just get a good reputation. Or I learn a skill set, you know, that's, you know, I remember my eighth grade typing teacher, but I, I don't really even taught me how to type, you know, but I don't. You know, sometimes you just, those skill sets that you'll keep, that are is worth as much as anything else. Yeah, so it's oh,
0: something. definitely, definitely. I know I took the job because I wanted to grow my skill sets in that area, but it's looking back. I know why I took it, but looking back, I'm like, wow. <laughs> and yeah, I yes, I learned sometimes. a lot from it. <laughs> sure. I know. Sometimes
1: I'm sure I'm going, oh god. Maybe I wouldn't have done that. I mean, I'm sure I have a few I would have. Yeah, I would not have handled it that way. If I had to do over. or Yeah, I probably wouldn't have. And you know, I like everybody. Everybody has one. Their, yeah, I've had to do that. I would not have done that. Yeah, that was not something I was meant to do. <laughs> but, but you're but kind I, but of I, grateful, right? You're oh, grateful yeah. for the experience regardless. Usually, usually. I mean, as lawyers, I mean, we do deal with very, very serious matters. So we, I think more than a lot of people, we deal with, I mean, we deal with like and death, we deal with very dangerous situations. Serious so, consequences. Yeah, yeah, there are. I think sometimes it's like, okay, well, I probably shouldn't have bought that car. You know, there's sometimes as a lawyer, there are far more serious consequences, physical, emotional, financial, you know, just legally, you know, there, but um yeah, I think everybody, if they look, they go, yeah, I wouldn't have done, I, I wouldn't have done that again. I mean, I think it's, you know, there, there's some, you know, and part of it depends, I think, how much risk a person's willing to take, you know, where you are with your life. You, know, you might be a little more risk adverse if you have young children uh, or, you know, a mortgage to pay or people to support, you know, there's other things to go. But I think, you know, one of the great things, frankly, not to sound too patriotic here about this country is one of the few countries in the world where you have social mobility, you have uh, – job mobility and things like that. And there are a lot of people, you hear, you hear a lot of these people who just came from nothing and they're, they're able to, you know, they could know, own their own companies and things like that. And that's probably what's unique to the U.S., most of the U.S., as opposed to being born into a situation that you don't really have a lot of choice about.
0: Interesting. So if you could um, leave this conversation with a, a lesson, a story of something that what really, well for you, that you think about now as, I'm so glad I did that, um, what is a particular incident that when you think back, maybe it's a client that had a very positive outcome or something that you walked away from feeling really good about?
1: Um, yeah, I remember when I was,
0: a couple of them, uh, well, for sports, I remember I had a my friend of mine wanted to recruit me
1: to go professional and I had my last sports, and I was kind of tired of dealing with it. So I, I was, and my friend, I talked to my friends and she said, well, you need, I need to know, you know, she wasn't giving me a deadline, but I I was glad I went to tryouts and made the team because I was glad I went and I, you know, then I had to move again, you know, they so I got transferred to another team, essentially, or traded. And I was glad I did because I I think that if I hadn't, my life would have been very different than it is today. And for cases, um, yeah, I had One case in particular, I knew we were going to lose, but I went anyways and tried it. And uh, in telling the client, this is likely not going to go this way. And I think my first jury trial where I really had very little idea what I was doing. And the partner said, I need you to try this. I've got to go do something else. You've got the skill sets you're going to have to give you. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go in and try it and work. You know, I probably worked harder than was necessary because I was new and I want, you know, when you're new at anything, you're kind of like, okay, I wanted this, but I remember we won and the verdict came in and I remember the judge said, I really didn't want to rule you this way, but there was just so much evidence. I had to, you know, it's very, we wound up parting ways with the client eventually, but we won. And I, I, sometimes I learned a really important life lesson that, you know, as a person and a lawyer, sometimes you have to see things through. Particularly It's not, it's not always about money you know, sometimes you have to just go in and try this, and you were giving people access to justice that in the legal system they may not otherwise have, and how important right. lawyers really are to society. And not that any one lawyer is better than the other, but it just as a whole, what, this, the, the services or function that lawyers provide is, is really essential. It makes a huge difference to people. It really does, That as that was I would say.
0: Wow. Yeah, having that awakening moment must have been great in terms of just, okay, I'm, I'm in the right place, I'm having a positive impact, and it's, it's where I need yeah, to be. Yeah,
1: it was, it was. I mean, there's always other considerations, but I remember thinking, okay, this is doable. I can, you know, I can be a trial lawyer, and I can do this, and it was because, you know, there's always the mystery. You know, it's always kind of a mysterious thing, you know, you hear about <laughs> trial lawyers and what these people do you know, LA law and things you see on TV. You watch too much TV. Right. My godfather, my dad was a lawyer and then my uh my godfather's lawyer. So I, mean, I was used to being around lawyers with their transactions. So they didn't really do you know, I'd seen Perry Mason, you know, I obviously that's not very- Love of that show. <laughs> yeah, it is great, but it's probably not always realistic about how it goes, <laughs> no, it, it's, it's a little a, dramatic. <laughs> it is Actually, I was telling someone the other day, like what we see in courtrooms and cases is far more dramatic than you see a TV in movies. Not all the time. Sometimes it's like, okay, but sometimes they're really far more than you'd expect.
0: Yeah. So this has been such a pleasure. I've really enjoyed hearing your stories about the, the transitions that you've made, the impact you have, your thoughts about what attorneys do and how much time it takes to to really be good at one area of law. And it changes I mean, lots of, lots of law changes regularly. So it makes it, it's kind of like accounting. You can't just know what you're doing in accounting and be done learning. I know it's, it's very similar with law and case law in particular because each case influences further cases. So I really appreciate hearing these stories. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, sure. And I
1: appreciate you invited. And I thank, thank Jeffrey and Jeff Berman for introducing us. And I, uh, I will add with the pandemic, we have alerts coming out every day. So, what is the law today may not be the law tomorrow, as everyone knows. But I I hope this was really helpful for you and informative for your
0: listeners. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Are you ready to start your story portfolio so you have the right story ready to share when the opportunity presents itself? When you're ready to get started, my book, Your Stories Don't Define You How You Tell Them Will, is available in all the regular places, and the audiobook. Version is available on Google Play and on my website, elkinsconsulting.com. As a special bonus for listeners, the audiobook includes two songs recorded by my band, Spare Change, in my living room in Montana. Also on my website is a free podcast interview checklist. It's available to download to make sure you make the most out of your next podcast interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate the podcast and leave a review and let me know that you've done it so I can thank you properly. Thank you.